Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. But if you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Hold music. You want to avoid it, and so do your customers. So say goodbye to hold music and hello to faster, smarter support with Salesforce. Make service more personal and agents more productive using built-in trusted AI. Then watch costs and wait times drop and satisfaction soar. Support customers in a whole new way with Service GPT. Learn how at salesforce.com slash service GPT. Welcome to the Casey Adams Show. Today I'm joined by Tim Larkin, an American self-defense trainer and the founder of Target Focus Training. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me, Casey. Of course. So, uh, first off, thank you so much for coming out to the studio today. We're here at Blue Wire. This and, is um, so cool. You know, being a Vegas <laughs> native, I didn't even know this existed. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So, I'm excited to, to dive into it. You know, I know our good friend Kamal put us in touch and yeah. yesterday, and yeah. then now we're here doing the podcast. So, I've been looking forward to it. Awesome. Um, for people that may not know who you are and what target-focused training is, I'd love to get a high-level overview of what it is that you do. Yeah, what, what I do for people is I help them put together a self-protection strategy um, that minimizes the chance of violence ever coming into their life. That's the goal. Uh, the path that they need to take is a little uncomfortable because uh, it, before I do that, I have to show them what happens if they ignore all of the things that can keep them out of violence. And meaning, you know, if you're facing imminent grievous bodily harm, a bigger, faster, stronger person or persons are coming at you. We always assume that. We always assume they're bigger, faster, and stronger. There's multiple opponents, and they're carrying weapons. Um, if you're in a situation like that, we have to show you the horrific things that you're going to have to do to another human to protect yourself. And what's interesting is once people learn that, then they'll make those behavioral changes. They'll actually do things. And, and from a business standpoint, it's great because, you know, I train mostly, uh, I, I start out with military and law enforcement, but... Really, the last 20 years, a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, a lot of entrepreneurial groups. Uh, it's been really interesting to see the similarities of uh, the thought process that works in a life or death situation. Works really well in, you know, they, what they've told me is it works really well in business, too, the same decision making you know, capacities yeah. that you need. But yeah, that, that's basically what I do. I, I came originally from the Naval Special Warfare community, the SEAL community. I got injured, um, blew my ears, and. Wow. Uh, in a diving accident and went into vertigo and no that was a true injury that's the first time i really had a true injury to the human body where i lost control of myself yeah. you know I, I didn't have control over myself at that point it was really debilitating it how, ended ended my career wow uh how, well, d- how deep were you that- we, were, we were only we were it's only first atmosphere so it was only down about 20 20 feet but i was wow. congested that day you know i was young i was arrogant i didn't want to redo the dive later in the week because i was almost done with training and uh, so I decided I was going to, I went down and did the dive. There are, there are waves above the water, but there are waves underneath the water. And my, my I, you know, it was swelling. Like my whole head was just hurting. I was just trying to get through this dive. And a wave hit me, an undergo water wave just hit just enough. And that's what burst my eardrum. And uh, literally emptied out the semicircular canals and I went into vertigo. I had wow. no idea which way it was up. So for me, what ended my my career as an operator, I stayed in the intelligence community, 
um, was really the opening to what I do. I, I, I teach people now injury to the human body to be able to protect themselves. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very different subject, obviously, and it's an uncomfortable subject for a lot of people. But um, it really is a life skill that I think everybody has to at least take a look at. Yeah, absolutely. What, like, what was the motivation to go so deep into this level of training and, and teaching with people? You know, like, what was that moment for you where you're like, hey, I, obviously you want to learn this yourself, but when was that moment of like, you want to go teach this to people? You know, um, it's, it's funny. When I, uh, we, we were, I was part of a group uh, in, the, in the intelligence community. I was, I was working for the head of the SEAL teams, the, the admiral. He had put together a program to relook at how we did hand-to-hand combat. Um, I had no business being on that. I had no, I had, at that time, I had no experience at all. They liked me. I had I had a martial arts background from, uh, you know, being a kid, and they invited me to do this. And what was interesting was I ended up through just a random chance meeting uh, an instructor in San Diego, where I was at base, and we were bringing in people from all over the world. This guy happened to be an instructor. He's a former Vietnam vet, and um, he was showing he was showing self protection in a way that people I'd never seen it before very direct it, it looked like real violence to me yeah you know what I had experienced as a kid what I had seen my uncles were very um were very good fighters and um real violence versus you know combat sports is a, a very different thing and what was interesting was I knew most people that was the big fear you know some people do want to do combat sports and they want to become practitioners and they want to become competitors and that's fantastic but most people they want to be able to protect themselves or keep themselves from having to live a life where they never need self-defense. And to yeah. me, I found that to be a very fascinating subject. Um, I was very comfortable with violence, and um, I'm very comfortable with those that are very good at violence, you know, getting good information out of them. Um, but the challenge to me is to take sane, socialized people, give them some really difficult information that can save their life, but put it in a context that makes sense to them. And to me, that's something that, you know, I'm, I've been doing it almost 30 years now, and I'm still, it's wow. still something that I just love to do with new group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I'd love to take a step back, you know, like, where, where, where were you born, family, early childhood, and like, what led you down this path into getting into, you know, like, special ops training, military, everything that happened there? Yeah, it was um, uh, Boston, Massachusetts is where my family's from. Um, and, but, you know, my father was an a officer in the Navy. So we moved every two to three years. So Got I lived it. all. Yeah, over. you lived that lifestyle. Yeah. I lived that lifestyle very, very simple with it. And basically, my dad was gone all the time. So our surrogate dads were the Marines on base. Whoever wasn't deployed, they were the guys that um, trained us. They were the guys that were our coaches. Um, they taught us how to box. They taught us how to wrestle, um, baseball, football. And so I was kind of I had I had all these rip male role models in that arena, which I thought was normal until. <laughs> You know, I started moving around the country and realized, oh, not all kids are raised on military bases. Yeah. <laughs> you have these, you know, crazy Marines, you know, yeah. helping you out. So it, it kind of inculcated that with me early on, and I was comfortable with it. Um, you know, my generation, we, we were still allowed, uh, we were allowed to, if, if you had an issue at school, men were allowed to have an outlet for violence, uh, a safe outlet. And I think that's something that um, differentiates where we're at today. I think violence has been so stigmatized that the only people that have access to it are the predators. And so my goal is to sit there and, and show everybody, that, hey, listen, studying violence does not make you violent. It actually makes you, it, it, the, the crazy thing is, the more proficient you are in understanding the subject, the more peaceful your life is. And um, it, it's interesting, because you understand 
you understand how to deal with the subject. Yeah. You've already thought about it. And therefore, you're going to enjoy your life until you have to, you know, it's kind of like the idea of uh, learning how to swim. Yeah. You know, you don't walk by a body of water after you learn how to swim and freak out, go, oh, if I fall in, I'm going to go do the backstroke first or this. You know, hey, I know how to swim. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to live a fearful life. And so I encourage people because I've, I've had people that literally have had their lives turned upside down by violence. And so my goal this is the opportunity to do a, a podcast like this is great because, you know, my clientele, unfortunately, my civilian clientele, 70% of them come to me after the fact. Mm after there's yeah. been violence in their yeah. life. And so I'm hoping the majority of people that listen right now are that 30% that's kind of proactive and yeah. they have a chance to maybe think about it before it happens. Yeah, no, and I would say for myself, I, I definitely fall into that 30% where I, yeah. I can't say I've had a crazy amount of violence occur in my life or I'm not even the most experienced. And like, if, if I was to ask you and I, if someone was to one day walk into one of your training sessions, what can they expect? And like, what are some of the foundational tactics that you teach or the situations that you know, you try to predict people that if they were in these situations, this is what you should do. The main thing I think that people uh, really are lacking in is an understanding of basic human nature, understanding what motivates people to do certain things. Um, the punching, the kicking, the striking is all very key, and that's easy to teach, actually. And, um, but the problem is, is when to do it. You know, when <laughs> is it available? When, when yeah. is the right time? Understanding the difference between somebody who is just being socially annoying um, but not really threatening versus somebody who is is you know printing and, and planning to do asocial violence against you meaning really grievous bodily harm and they're, and they're doing it and knowing how to differentiate those two and and the training methodologies you, you use to uh, help people with that and it's it's fascinating because most of us are such social creatures and we we enjoy interacting that when I put people in an environment where all of a sudden communication isn't there anymore, it's, it's very uncomfortable for people the most time. And predators know that. And they know how to take advantage of that. So what, what's interesting is to give people skill sets that in a very short amount of time, they can learn the skill sets of destruction, which are extremely easy. Um, combat sports, like you know the UFC, it's the home of the UFC here yeah. in Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, I equate that to if I'm in a seminar and I have like 60 people in my seminar and I brought in a, uh, you know, an eight foot uh, piece of granite, just beautiful Italian marble, the best chiseling sets, you know, world-class artistic sets. And I told everybody, you guys aren't leaving until you replicate, you know, Michael's David, you know, <laughs> on there. Well, they'd be there for thousands of years. They, they, they wouldn't yeah. even come close, right? They totally. couldn't do that. That's the equivocation of, 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 somebody who becomes one of the best in the combat sport arena. It takes a tremendous training. You truly are an artist. You truly are a, a, a yep. wonder kind. And you're working within those parameters. Whereas that same group of 60 people, if I had that same uh, thing of marble, and I brought in a bunch of sledgehammers, and I said, hey, listen, nobody gets lunch until this is a pile of rubble, <laughs> they'd be able to figure it out really quick. Yeah. Because the skill sets of destruction are very easy for us to understand. Uh, it's not pretty, but we can all get it done. And that's the cool part about it is people think they have to be this high-level practitioner in a combat sport to be able to protect themselves, and that's just not the case. And so, yeah. you know, I don't train people for competition on the duel. I train people to be able to take advantage of when a predator gives them an opportunity, and that, that's yeah. a very different skill set. Totally. What would you say, like, out of that 70% that you referenced of, you know, of, like, they've occurred some type of violence or interaction with a predator – What's like the most common thing that people come to you and say, hey, this happened to me? 
Uh, is there a standard or is it really all across the board? It's uh, usually a manipulation, uh, a social manipulation of, uh, of the person itself, meaning they're put in a position where their body oftentimes was telling them early on something was wrong, meaning a lot of nonverbal um, cues. You know, the, yeah. the idea, you know, the, the typical thing they tell you, like the hair in the back of my neck stood up, I felt queasy yeah. in my stomach. That's your body screaming at you saying, hey, there's something wrong. And unfortunately, we've, uh, especially in this age of technology, we've got to the point to where we really ignore a lot of our primal, um, yeah. you know, warning systems. And what happens is predators are very good at socially taking advantage of us. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll play on our kindness. They'll play on our social awkwardness. They don't want to feel awkward. Um, and people will tell me oftentimes, hey, I knew something was wrong here. And I still did this. I kept going in. And then when it got to this point, it was too late. It had yeah. happened. And so what I do with people is I walk them back on all those, those scenarios. Because you know, oftentimes people will tell me, well, I didn't have a choice. And then when you walk people back, you go, actually, you did have a choice. You just didn't recognize you had a choice. And for me, uh, you don't ever want to use violence if you can avoid it at all. And not because uh, you can't do it. It's because you only want to use it when you truly are devoid of choice. Because living with the aftermath of having to use violence uh, can be hard for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I don't take it, I don't take it lightly. Um, that's why it's so great to, you know, when you, when you have people come to you and say, Hey, you know what? Like second day of training, I had a guy come up to me, big, like Texas rancher guy, you know, you could tell he just, he was former <laughs> A&M yeah. uh, lineman and you could tell he liked to fight. You know, he liked to go to honky tonks and fight, came from a very wealthy Texas family. Um, he stopped me the next day and he goes, I just want to thank you. And I said, what do you think? You know, it was just literally the first day of training. Yeah. And, you know, what do you mean? He goes, I called my wife this morning. He goes, after the first day, I realized how lucky I've been that, A, I didn't inadvertently kill somebody, you know, from getting, willingly getting in these fights that I would get into that were totally avoidable. And he said, B, that I truly didn't run into a real predator that understood violence. He goes, I usually could have been killed. He said, because I'm not there. He goes, and I just told her, I go, that I'm not doing that anymore. So the behavioral change that he recognized Yep. is going to serve him the rest of his life. And, and that's just it. Oftentimes, people just don't understand what to look for. They don't understand how predators operate. And we get so comfortable, especially like I was talking to you about entrepreneurs earlier on. Um, with my entrepreneur crowd, oftentimes, their type A personality, their drive, everything that works so well to get them where they're at within their yep. social circles, within their business circles, oftentimes, they'll go somewhere. Maybe they'll go outside of the U.S., they'll take that same attitude in a culture that just doesn't respond to that. Yep. And they don't, they'll, they'll, they'll inadvertently get themselves in trouble because they're coming they're profiling as, as being very aggressive, borderline violent. And then you're going to get somebody who sees that and they're going to respond in kind and you're going to be confused and you're going to be threatened. Um, so oftentimes it's just that education process with people saying, Hey, understand what works in one arena yep. can get you killed in another you know, and, and you just have to be able to navigate that. Yeah. Um, I would love to dive into if you have any like key stories personally that you've experienced where you've had to use some of these tactics and strategies and, you know, to, to share like the different approaches and thought process you had to have in those critical mo decision-making moments. Yeah. Well, I'll give one, I'll give, I'll give one that, um, that'll, that'll resonate with people. There's, there's two I normally tell one where I used violence and one where I didn't. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to do the one where I didn't use violence. So I was picking my son up. He was at the time, uh, he was at eight years old 
I was picking him up in San Diego. Uh, I got him at his house. He, he lived outside of Del Mar. Uh, it was a very hilly area. There's that. I'm, I go to turn down a road. Nobody's on it. This guy comes flying down. He just he flips me off, basically, you know, acts like I almost cut him off, which is crazy. So sure enough, he's at the stoplight. I have to pull up, so I'm pulling up alongside. My son is sitting right, you know, on the passenger side. He's giving me every expletive you can imagine. Just, just doing it. And I, you can't see this, but I have some tattoos, and he saw my tattoo. He goes, ah, oh, look at you with your tattoo. You think you're so tough. He goes, I'll beat that. You know, he's telling all the, all the things he was going to do to me. And I was just, hey, you know, hey, sir, you know, sorry about that. You know, I didn't mean to cut you off, you know, all this other stuff. And I was being very conciliatory, knowing full well, he goes, you know, that he's doing this in front of an eight-year-old kid. Yeah. Um, my son, you know, and, and I just didn't give him any bait. I knew he was looking for a reason. And so he takes off. And my son looks at me. He goes, Dad, why would you do that? You could easily beat him up, you know. Yeah, you know, my son's like, he, goes, he just pulled him. I go, yeah. So I walk my son through it. I said, you're right. I, go, I probably could physically. I go, it looked like I could take him. I said, but. What do I know about him? He goes, what do you mean? What if he had a gun? And he goes, yeah. He goes, oh, I didn't think about that. He goes, yeah. I go, I got you. I go, what about you? I, I said, you know, what if I was successful? Well, I did. I pulled him out of the car, beat the crap out of him. I said, then I get arrested. I said, then what are you going to do? I, I said, you know, we're supposed to go meet your, my uncle, you know, your uncle, and have a great day. And, you know, how would that have ended up? And I said, and he wasn't really mad at me. He was mad at something else. He was just looking for a reason. And the funny part was my son had in his uh, lap a uh, magazine. And he holds the magazine up and he goes, but you're this guy. And I was on the cover of Black Belt Magazine <laughs> in that no month. Way. Yeah. And, and so, uh, so I was oh going. I, dro- I dropped him off and I, put a sem- uh, I, you know, I started my seminar. Yep. And that was the story I started with in the seminar because wow. it was. It was visceral for me. I mean, you have your son there seeing that. Yeah. Every, every aspect of your ego is getting hit with it. But you know what? It wasn't the time. I wasn't really being threatened. There, the threshold wasn't there. And as hard as it was not to respond in kind, you know, it, it, I guess what I tell everybody is I try to live my life with the idea of the three-day test. And the three-day test is this. Whatever you're about to get upset about, whatever you think is so urgent that you respond, maybe, you know, a road rage incident or something like that, three days from now is it going to matter. Three days from now, if you find yourself in a jail cell or you're six feet under, uh, are you going to tell yourself that you had no choice? that this was worth it, this was the only thing I could do. Yeah. And very few, few things meet that threshold. And to me, that's the key. If I can teach people how to do that ahead of time, to think about those things ahead of time, the behavioral changes that they make are huge. And those are the things that minimize the chance of violence coming in your life. It's when people slip and they make those mistakes and they say that offhand remark to the wrong person uh, that they don't understand and they get this disproportionate response and then they realize the only thing that's going to work in this situation is the tool of violence and guess yeah. what I don't have anything so you know I give people that I give them worst case scenario what they need um, I show them how to do it I show them where in the human body we go after and um, then we step back and go okay what are you doing in your life right now what are you doing right now that is the equivalent of sleeping with your head on a railroad track and you know the Train didn't come last night, so you think everything's fine. My job is to make sure that you recognize your head's on that railroad track and to take it off. That way we don't have to worry about anything. So how many things in your life are you potentially setting yourself up for the potentiality violence can enter it? And how can we easily just change those? Wow. No, I, first off, I love that story, and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. Um, when you say like, when you're heading on a railroad track, where do you, where's the most common state where people are setting themselves up for failure potentially? these 
this is a there's a I opened up a Google talk. I did a talk at Google, and there's a, a video clip that I have of a Seattle bus robbery. Okay, and it's one of the most fascinating things. I'll, I'll make sure you get yeah. access to it after. There's this, a guy. This is your video? No, this is a video. Oh, it's a oh, crime oh. video. Got this it. is a crime video. Wow. This, this guy is walking down a bus with a gun. He has a, he has a, he has a Glock. He's putting it in people's faces. He's taking their phones. Nobody's talking to anybody. Everybody's immersed in their phones. And they're not even seeing that. No, they're literally immersed. They're, they're sitting here just <laughs> oh like that. I know, you know, I have people that can view, can view it, it, yeah. like this. The guy comes to this one kid, and the gun comes right here. And this kid's immersed. His ears and his eyes are on here, right? He looks up, and he sees the barrel of the gun right here. He redirects the barrel. Good, good move. He redirects, gets up, takes the barrel of the gun. He has, the, he has his phone in his hand. And you're like, oh, good. He's going to use his phone. Okay, now listen. Let me just make this clear. The gun was right here. He pushes the gun. He gets up. He has this hard, his hard phone in his hand that he could easily, the guy's face is right here. And what does he do with this? Don't tell me he records. No, no. He's literally putting uh. it into his pocket. He is, he's got a long code in Seattle. What? And he said, yeah, he does want to crack his screen. You know? <laughs> and that's, but, but the, the, wow. as much as we're laughing at that, it's something we automatically do every day. You know, we, we, these things have just possessed us. We, give, we regularly give up our sensory systems all the time. Uh, male or female, this is the number one thing predators look for, is that you're immersed in these. Now, listen, these, wow. aren't, these aren't going away, um, but we just have to be aware of that. You know, especially in unfamiliar environments. But to watch a whole bus full of people not interacting while a guy's walking down, literally robbing people with a gun. It, it, I know telling you this, you're, you're going, this can't be real. When you see the video, it's just there. And, and that grabbed everybody at Google, Google yeah, right away. Because absolutely. that's really what's, what we're up against. Wow. <laughs> you know? what, what's your thoughts on, because when you said these, I, I thought you were going to refer to like social media initially of like no. locations and posting yeah. and all that type of stuff. Do you... Do you talk on that when you when you talk to people? Because I know, like for example, I have a lot of friends that you know. Let's say they have big followings, and um, there's been situations where they now post like days after they're at a location due to this incident of violence or people showing up. Yeah. And do you talk about this, or is this something Absolutely. that you think is very? Oh yeah, important? so social media is, um, social media is, is a blessing and a curse. And unfortunately for predators, it's just a field day. Yeah. Because people are willingly giving up their locations, they're willingly talking about where they're going to be, what they're going to you know do, and and that's smart. And yeah, I know a lot of influencers have been a lot smarter about how they're posting about that. Um, but it's absolutely something to remember. And we don't we don't always remember that we've turned on certain things. And you know, I've had a couple of people come into uh, classes and they've told me that. And I've had some very very well known people come in where they had crazy fans or they had somebody pierce their what they thought was their security, uh, you know, that they thought was well taken care of. And they realized, thank God, it didn't happen. But I realized right then and there, had that person been armed, had that person really been trying to hurt me or attack me or my wife or, you know, my, my family, I, I don't have anything. I don't know what to do. And that's yeah. when they usually seek you out. And what's interesting about it is, you know, I don't train people to become super ninjas or anything like this. It's, it's the education that they get on the tool of violence and how it works is what causes them to rethink how they're living their lives and to do things like you're talking about. Like, hey, okay, three days ago, Casey yeah. was here, but <laughs> yeah. as far as social media knows, you're here today, you know, yeah. like, like type of thing. And that's smart. Little things like that are huge. They're just, they're easy to do. Um, you know, I'm not one of these Luddites that thinks, oh, don't post on social media or don't do this. Listen, these, the, this is the world we live in now. 
and we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and operate that, but we can operate a lot smarter with it. Yeah. So yeah. Very cool. Um, I, I'm a big story guy, and the story that you told before. Do you have any um, like key stories that have fueled you and that have impacted you? Like you talk about the bus story, the one with your son. That to me, like I learned so much through storytelling. Is there another story in your life that you'd want to share, or someone that you've worked with that has impacted you in a very beneficial way? Yeah. Uh, so. There's a couple, but I'm trying to think the one will really resonate with people on this one. Um, okay, so you saw the you saw the great story where I didn't use violence, yeah. right? The, the, okay, yeah. Let, let's talk about the other let, one. <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about 27 year old Tim. So, okay. uh, so I just come back from South America. I was working in a counter narcotics pro- program down there as a special operations. That was the height of my arrogance, you know. But I'm really well trained, yeah. especially in what I'm doing now. Um, but I was only in the military world during that time. So I'm in San Diego. I'm driving uh, with my buddies. Um, I, I got a Jeep and we're like, it's midway in Rosecrans in San Diego at 5 PM, which is just anybody that knows San Diego knows it's just wall to wall traffic. And so we're stuck in wall to wall traffic. We're just going and we're, we're talking about what we were doing down in South America and all this other stuff. And we're just really enjoying being in San Diego. Well, I noticed this guy behind me, literally an in inching traffic. I think somehow I cut him off and got in front of him and he's, he's steaming. My buddy goes, look at this guy. So we see him and we just realized, oh, he's really mad, you know, and he steams like coming out of his ears. So what do I do? I do what everybody normally would do. I egg him on. I look, I, I go eye to eye with him in the rear view mirror. I start to, uh, I start to tell him, um, you know, like, uh, you know, like laughing and, and blowing him kisses, which gets him more incensed. Don't think anything of it. So he starts working his way around. He gets in the other lane, gets up, gets in front of my car. And finally, after about 10 minutes, gets in front of me. Then all of a sudden hits his brakes and stops. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And I'm going to tell my friends, oh, yeah, he wants to fight. Okay. You know, um, he stops and gets out of the car. I get out of my car, and I'm already ahead. I'm already ahead, like, towards his car. When I hear from the back, my friend yells, gun. Like, he screams at gun. And I'm like, and right then and there, Casey, I realized, you idiot. You now, you have no protection, no cover. You're in the fatal funnel. Basically, this guy has to open. If he has, there's no place for me to die. There's no place for me to get covered. Wow. What happens, though, is I look, and it's not a gun. It's, it's a, a steering wheel lock that they used to have. They used to call it the, uh, the, the club okay. and, you know, on there. You see, and they, guys used to put it on their steering wheel so you, you wouldn't get your car stolen. So I look back at my friend. I say a couple of choice expletives to him because he really, you know, I thought it was a gun. Yeah. This was no problem for me because the guy's <laughs> like, you know, he's trying to come at me with a thing. I'm like, oh, it's great. So I charge him, and it's perfect. Like, he tries to swing at my head. I hit him right on, the, on his radial nerve. I grab the arm. I go right for his neck. I slam him on the back of the car. I'm just about to hit him, and I'm so ready to hit this guy. Just, I'm so, so jazzed because of you know, what just happened, you know? And just as I'm about to hit him, I will, to this day, it's etched in my memory. This little girl, she had to be maybe four or five, looks wow. up. She's pressed up again. She's crying. She's saying, please don't hit daddy. Wow. And right then, <laughs> that was, a, that was wow. the last time, that was the last time I ever chose to respond with violence. Uh, because, listen, from what I told you, I could have easily been killed. Had it been a gun, yeah. he would have shot me. I would have been lucky to survive that situation. Two... I had no idea he had a girl, a little girl in the car. The fact that anybody would do that, having a young child in the car. And then three, I realized I should know better. You know, now this is before I started really training, training people. I was really doing military and law enforcement, but it completely had me rethink 
you know, how I look at the subject and what it's used for. I mean, if you use violence in an area where you didn't need to, you're going to have to deal with the repercussions of that. You yeah. know, when you need the tool, it's absolutely essential, but it's something that you really have to understand. And so I, I feel it's like my passion when I tell the difference of those yeah, two stories. Yeah, I you sharing both yeah, sides. Yeah, th- those sides of it, because I'm not perfect, you know, yeah. and, and I understand the urges people have to do things, especially with young men. I, I, I get it at times, and, and when we feel like, you know, there's an injustice or something. Um, but I've seen too many people make too many mistakes using violence yeah. when they didn't need it. And so that's the other half of it. You know, I, I absolutely want to protect the people that need it when it's criminally being used against them. But I also want to make, explain to people, don't, don't, be, don't be liberal with this. Be very conservative on how you use this tool because it's, uh, it, you, know, you have no idea when you cross the physical plane on somebody yeah. how they're going to respond to the trauma. You know, they might look perfectly healthy, but there might be a genetic, uh, you know, uh, situation in their, in their makeup that you don't know about that now you've caused an arrhythmia in a person yeah. and you've died. And, uh, there are many cases that I've seen where two people get into an a argument, one pushes the other one over, and that guy hits his head on the ground and bleeds out and dies. And so now you've got one guy dead, you've got the other guy facing manslaughter over something that if you had asked either of them, would have been irrelevant to them. Whatever they yeah. were arguing over was absolutely not worth what they're both paying now. Yeah. And so, so to me, it's just it, the more you can share those types of stories with people, it really changes the way people think about the subject. Absolutely. And again, thank you for sharing both sides of the coin there. A um, couple more questions before we wrap up here, Tim. Uh, do you have children? Yes. Well, as a dad, because I was curious, as a dad, how are you instilling these type of values into your children? Um, because I think it's not only it's a, a very important skill to grow up with, but I'm sure it's, you know, it gives them an advantage and the way they think about this, I think this is a very under teached subject. Like I didn't get any of this training growing up. Yeah. Um, so how, how are you treating, like, how are you talking to your kids? And then on a segment, like what advice do you have for younger entrepreneurs or anyone who's like getting into their adult career when it comes to a tactical side of taking some of these principles and applying them in their daily life? Yeah, um, well, for kids, uh, the, the one thing I really learned, and everybody I've trained, the, the most adept people, the easiest people to physically train are those that are come from a gymnastics background or a, um, a dance background. So my kids do both. My kids do gymnastics, and they do, they do dance. They've done it since they were four years old. Um, I have eight-year-old twin daughters, and I have an 11-year-old son right now. My eldest is my oldest, who I talked about earlier, is 26 yeah. now. Um, and so that gives them a really good grounding and then i'll i'll get all of them into jujitsu just because i want them to get used to being grabbed and when i say jujitsu it, it's fantastic jujitsu is great but the real reason i'm going is because the instructor the instructor is great with kids and i would say if anybody's looking to get something with kids make sure it's an instructor that really enjoys training children yeah. and can get them going and builds their confidence um that that's key um What you do with kids, you don't scare them. You make it, what I want to do is I want to give them all the physical skill sets so that when they're old enough, like my my eldest son really didn't get my training until he was about 17 and a half. I felt he was mature enough at that point to get it. My daughters will probably get it at 11 because unfortunately sexual assault on women is happening at ever younger ages and I want them to start having that early on. Um, Also, women don't have, they don't navigate violence the way we navigate it. We, we, we as men, we communicate with violence sometimes, you know, like just, you know, locker room, pushing each other around. We have to navigate. Is this just kind of a social thing or is this real violence? Women, they only experience the real thing. 
Yeah. So they're not, they don't like to test things out. So mature, maturity wise, I can, I can teach women earlier. Um, what's interesting about the life and death choices and the principles of, of violence, um, a lot of what works in life or death situations works even better when the stakes aren't as high. And the guys that really taught me that was when I was at the New York Mercantile Exchange. And these are all the heavy-duty traders. And you know, these guys would come in after, they, they hired me for a week, and they, they'd come in after trading about 2.30. <laughs> half of them would be happy, half of them would be pissed off. <laughs> yeah. you know? And so yeah. it made it for a really interesting dynamic. <laughs> but what they really liked was, you know, I talked about the idea that when it comes to violence and another human being, nothing happens until you cause an effect, you know, and meaning I have to get over there and cause an effect on you if I want to be able to control your brain, take it out of the equation and, and go on. I can think about it all I want and I can say, well, if he does this, I do this, but until I actually make a decision and do something. Um, and I talked to the guys about the idea of, you know, what do you respond to in the day? Like I know most entrepreneurs will, will sit there and say, okay, I've got these four things that I got to get done before 12. Okay. Are you disciplined enough to not have the email, you know, uh, you know, reminder that's coming up. Are you disciplined not to respond to the news, the latest social media post? Yeah. Are, you know, cause every time you do that, you're out of cause state. And now you're in effect state, you know, you're reacting to something rather than yep. being the cause. And so when these guys started applying that in their trading, they just, did, they just did a hell of a lot better. And they also got out of bad situations much quicker. Um, it was really interesting. I've had people in the business world for years tell me that their decision-making qualities really improved when they understood that and the principles of being in cause state helped them with business negotiations, helped them. I had one woman, uh, they were trying to, it was a hostile takeover of her company wow. and she had to calm herself down and she started realizing that she was being too defensive in her thinking and she had to start being the cause. And so she came out and she was able to save her company and, and come around just using the principles that she learned in, wow. you know, essentially a self-defense course, yeah. you know? Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, First off, I just want to say thank you so much, Tim, for coming on the show today. Before we wrap up, where is the best place for entrepreneurs out there to learn more about your trainings, including myself? Because I, I think that, again, this is something that I believe is so undertaught, and it, yeah. it makes me so happy to know that there's someone like yourself that's out there doing this at such a high level. Um, so where can, where can entrepreneurs learn more about what you have to offer and overall follow you across all socials? The, the best place uh, the best place probably is my YouTube channel. I have just Tim Larkin, Personal Self-Protection. There I interview tons of subject matter experts on all of this. And again, I give all, if you like some of the subjects that you and I covered, I go yeah. in depth on a lot of that. Um, it's just a great catch-all place. And from there, you can find out everything else. Um, for those that want, I, you know, my, my, my last book, uh, When Violence is the Answer, is on Amazon. And it covers all these subjects. The audio book's really good on that. People tend to really like that. So either, either of those places you know, would be the excellent place to go. Very cool. Well, again, Tim, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And for everyone watching and everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you follow Tim, check out his books, follow him on social media. And of course, before we wrap up, thank you to Blue Wire Studios for having us today. We really appreciate it. And I will talk to you guys soon. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.